Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord in heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Thank you, John. Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. I'm Pastor Brooks, the lead pastor here at Grace Community Church. I've been here for a long, long, long time. College students, this was the first church I ever attended. I came here in 1988 as a college student who did not even know the Lord, nor had I ever read a Bible, and now I'm preaching from it here. So if this is your first time, you'll be the senior pastor someday in 30 years, and you'll be preaching. That's just kind of how it rolls here. Um, I've been gone a few weeks, and no, I didn't take another sabbatical. I actually got a text from one of our elders, like, what, are you on sabbatical again? Uh, (laughs) No, I had a few weeks of vacation, and then last week, I was up in uh, Wisconsin, North North Woods in Wisconsin, teaching at a family camp where I taught through uh, the entire book of James, which is what we just finished in uh, in our sermon series this summer. And I have to open the sermon with with something that I shared. Of course, I'm going through James, and you you were here this summer, some of you, and you remember there's, there's quite a few passages in James where he says, hey, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And if you were here when I was preaching through that, I confess that I'm often very quick to speak. It's what I do. I run my mouth. I don't listen. I'm waiting for you to be quiet so I can tell you what you need to hear, right? And, oh, and then there's this anger issue, which I've dealt with on and off. Uh, it's getting better. The trajectory's going in the right direction, but it's been an issue, right? And then James chapter four talked about what causes fights and quarrels among you. And, you know, and I'll share my story, my failures and so forth. And so if you've been a part of this congregation, you're really familiar with what I wrestle with, what I struggle with. And so I shared all of that over the course of uh, five days in, in this camp in Wisconsin. And so I'm, I'm finished and Crossed the finish line, and I've preached the whole series. And so I'm standing there waiting to get ice cream after the session at 8 p.m. And there's all these people thronged around in the, in the, in the camp lodge, and everybody's getting ice cream. And, and I'm standing next to this lady, and she's right in front of me. And she turns around, and she says, um, you've changed. I think that's a good thing, but where are you going with that? She's like, you've changed. She goes, I, the first time I heard you speak was at family camp in 2018, and my in-laws were like, oh, you've got to hear this guy. He's awesome. And I listened to you, and I thought, I can't stand him. She said, I, I could not stand your preaching, and, but you've changed. You've changed. And the funny part was this, this lady standing there, her teenage daughter is standing right next to her. Her teenage daughter's like, mom! You know, it's awkward when you tell someone, I could not stand your preaching. And she goes, granted, I was eight weeks 
uh, postpartum and highly hormonal, but you're, you were way too angry and intense. And she's right. She's right. I, I am softening. I'm still intense, uh, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, something's happening. And I, I want you to experience that. I want you to experience that. I want all of us to experience um, something that God began to teach me over sabbatical. Um, when, I, when I went on sabbatical, I was looking at my journal just this morning, and I, I, I turned back to January 23rd. January 23rd was my first worship service, not here, but I was on sabbatical. And I was on my way to Florida with my wife, and we stopped in Springfield, Missouri, where my mother-in-law lives, and we went to church with her. And it, I hated it. Somebody's like, your mother-in-law goes to a terrible... No, the church was great, but I hated the worship experience. I couldn't worship. I came into... I, I got, literally got out of the car and began comparing everything that I was seeing with everything that goes on here. From the moment I stepped into the parking lot, I was not worshiping. I was in comparison mode. And I was checking out the books that they offered in the foyer, the way that they do their, uh, the, their welcome team, the way that they did their worship, the way that they did their preaching, the way that everything happened. And I could not focus on worship. I was completely focused on everything that I was not doing right as a pastor. Hence, the need for the sabbatical, right? I was completely in performance mode, even when I was on sabbatical, not... I'm supposed to be resting, but I'm not resting. I'm evaluating. I'm evaluating. It's messed up. It's messed up. So I want to pass along, hopefully, some things that God uh, is, I say is, because I haven't arrived. I'm still, in the, I'm still in the learning process. But some things that he's teaching me, and hopefully he'll teach this congregation, because I think we desperately need it. So how many of you have heard us talk about being in a partnership in the gospel together? You've heard this? Yes? All right. Well, here's what we're about. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about what we're about as a church family, what it means to follow Christ together in the body of Christ. It's a partnership in the gospel. And I want to dispel some things that it's not. Because here's the deal. I'm going to throw up the next slide. Well, not the next slide. I'm going to throw up the Great Commission slide, and you're going to roll your eyes. How many of you are going to roll your eyes? Anybody, is there an honest person here? One. I'm looking for one. It's one person. Thank you. He's going to roll his eyes because he's like, oh my goodness. That's what we do at the start of every year is look at the Great Commission. Like we don't know that already. <laughs> you do know it, but you don't know it. You do know it, but you don't know it. We're, we're involved in a partnership together. If you are a follower of Christ, now I recognize with this many people... And by the way, if we had three people, I recognize that one of them probably isn't a follower yet, or they're not sure what that even means. So if you're not a follower of Christ, I don't want to speak insider language, and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, hopefully, you'll, you'll come to understand what that means. Um, but what we want to look at is what it means to follow Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. This is Paul's words, the church in Philippi. For you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So that's what we do together here as a family of believers, hopefully. We're in a partnership. We need each other. 
We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. Praise God that he has given himself for us, and he's given us gifts. He's given us the Holy Spirit, and he's given us one another. But we need each other. We need each other. And we are in a partnership. And the partnership is to advance the gospel, to take it to our community, take it to our schools, take it to our neighborhoods, take it to the places we work, and take it to the very ends of the earth. Because it transforms people from the inside out. This isn't new. This isn't new. It's nothing that you haven't already heard. But what I want to look at this morning um, is that partnership. First of all, the stated, that partnership stated, which we're going to take a look at here in momentarily, Matthew chapter 28. It's a verse you've heard many, many times if you've been coming to grace. But then I want to look, I want to dig down, and I want to talk about how you actually hear that, which is not what Jesus said, it's how you hear it. You do recognize that it's possible to hear words spoken and be able to parrot those words back, but have no idea what they mean and think you know what they mean. So that's what we're going to look at. And by the way, this was my misunderstanding. This is something that God has began to work on me and, and begin to transform my understanding of discipleship while I was on sabbatical. And then we're going we're to look at that clarified. And then we're going to take the implications of that next week. Take the implications of that next week. So in your Bibles, turn, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 28, and let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you do change us, that you, we are a work in progress. And we thank you, Lord, that as Paul said to the church in Philippi, that um, you began a work in us and you're going to complete it. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you have atoned for sin, that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray that your spirit would use the preaching of your word for the exaltation of Christ and for our edifications. Change us, shape us, mold us. There are people here who are flat out worn out. And I pray that you would give them encouragement and rest. There are people here who are hurting. I pray that you'd bring uh, soothing and comfort and healing. I pray, Father, that you... Uh, there are people here that are just flat-out apathetic. They're on the rebellious side. I pray that you would soften their hearts. Lord, you know each and every heart here. Spirit, I pray that you would minister to hearts as they need ministered to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here it is. You can roll your eyes now. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the context is this. Jesus is risen from the dead. He is with his disciples in Galilee. And this, this, this is his parting instructions for them. He's, in, a, in a moment, he's going to ascend into heaven. And then they're going to be at Pentecost and in, in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit, all of them. And, and boom, the church is going to explode onto the scene. He, this is his instructions to them before he leaves and before he sends his spirit. This is what I want you to do with yourselves. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to be a church. This is the mission of the church. Some of you are like, well, that wasn't the mission of the church I grew up in. It doesn't matter what your stated mission was in, the, in, in, in your church. That's the mission of the church because that's what Jesus told the church to do is to be disciples, that is, followers of Jesus who are in a covenant relationship with him by the, by the death, the burial, and resurrection, by grace through faith, and be a disciple of Jesus who's growing in Christ and and. 
Share the good news with others and make disciples of others. And by the way, don't, don't relegate that to your neighborhoods or your own ethnic groups, but take that to the ends of the earth and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything, everything that I have commanded you. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. How many people think that sounds like a lot? How many people are tired already just reading that, that scripture? Probably most of you. Probably most of you. But that's... That's what they did. So last spring, last spring, you remember, how many of you are here for the BLESS series? You remember the BLESS series? Okay, the BLESS series is an acronym. It's an acronym which, which paints a picture, paints a picture for what it looks like to be a disciple who is actively discipling, to, to reach other people. It's an acronym. You begin with prayer. You begin with prayer. Everything starts with prayer. You can't follow Jesus if you're not if you're not engaged in prayer. Say, so like, Lord, what do you want me to do as a disciple? Who do you want me to Who do you want me to bless? And 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 it, and it, it's, it, it moves to listening. I got to listen to God. I got to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I also want to listen to the people that God's brought into my life. How can I How can I share the good news with them? And then then eating. That just means simply engage people in fellowship. Spend time with them. Break bread together. Get to know them. And then serving, the, S, uh, the first S stands for, for serving. What are the needs? What are the needs in your community and the needs in your neighborhood, the needs of the people you work with, the needs across the globe that you can, you can tangibly meet? And the, and the last S is, is share. Share what God has done in your life, what God has done in your life, and, and what God has done for humanity. So share the good news. Share the good news. And, and being a disciple, it, it, it just means being apprentice. We're, 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 we're to be partners together. And we're to steward our time, our talent, and our resources so that we can be used of God to expand, expand the kingdom so that all men and women would have forgiveness of sins, that all men and women would have, have the Holy Spirit which transforms their life, that all men and women would, would, be, would be representatives of Christ, that the, the light, the light, that city on a hill would be bright, it would be shining, and that all nations would be drawn to Christ, right? So the, I haven't said anything new, right? Haven't said anything. That's, that's the partnership stated. Partnership stated. Now let's get to the fun part. The partnership misunderstood. Here's what we hear the loudest in those verses. And they are, I, those, that's exactly what it says. So I'm not, I'm not twisting the scriptures. I'm just emphasizing what was in the passages we just looked at. Two things. Okay, what we hear, what comes out the loudest is the imperatives. The imperatives. Those are the commands. Okay, go make disciples. Actually, that's not an imperative. That's as you are going. So that's better translated. You're going to go somewhere. So as you're going, do this. That's what that means. So we hear that. Go make disciples of all nations. Okay, got to do that. Let's put that on the, on the checklist. Things to do today. Go to all nations and make disciples, starting in my family, then my neighborhood, my workplace, wherever I go to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the ends of the earth. So there's the first bullet point. That's what we hear. And you didn't hear it wrong. That's what it says. Next thing we hear is, oh, do everything I commanded. Observe all that I have commanded you. How many of you are tired and you haven't even gotten five minutes into the sermon yet? Anybody? Does that look doable to you? Therein lies the problem. We know what the Bible says. We hear what Jesus says, 
But what are we hearing? How do we understand that? How do we understand it? it I'm going to be honest with you. That wears us out. That's intimidating. That's intimidating. Let's dig a little bit deeper here and look at the reasons why. Okay, teaching them to observe everything that I commanded. Well, let's just start with a a general overview of everything that Jesus commanded. So, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the great and the first commandment, and the second's like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Here's what Jesus is saying. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of commandments. Let me just sum it up. Love Jesus, love God with everything you got, and love your neighbors yourself. There, just, just go do that. Go. Go do that. Is anyone tired yet? How are you doing on the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How are you doing? Do you feel like you measure up? Well, let's just lower the bar a smidge. A smidge. How about, how many of you feel like you're loving your family well? Loving your family well? Maybe, here's an easier question. How many of you suck at that? Okay. All right. So there you go. We got that. How about we just lower the bar, the bar, just uh, love your, love your neighbors. What if you don't like your neighbors? What if you don't like your spouse? What if you don't like your children? What if they don't like you? What if the person you're commanded to love happens to your neighbor happens to be your enemy? Those are not what ifs. Those are all scenarios that fall under the umbrella of love your neighbors yourself. We, we find it almost, we find it impossible to love our enemies, people that are not like us, that despise us. For more on that, stay tuned to First Peter. We find that very, very difficult. We find it difficult to love our neighbors who we actually, you know, we actually do kind of like them, but we don't really have time for them. bless. I'm supposed to eat with these people. I don't have time to eat with my family. We're in youth soccer league. So when, when do we eat? Right? Listen, there's too much noise in my life. I can't hear anything. Serve. How do I fit that into my schedule? Share. Share what? I don't have enough resources to take care of my own needs. Now I'm supposed to take care of everybody else's needs. Am I striking a chord? Or am I just up here talking to myself? (laughs) Now I'm understanding why that lady's like, I hated your preaching. (laughs) Come to think of it, I don't like my preaching either. So far, but let's hang on, hang on. It's exhausting. Turn for fun to Mark chapter 6. I just... I want to commiserate with you and the disciples. So, so Jesus, this is interesting. Mark 6, verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him that they had, uh, that they had done and taught. He said, okay, come away by yourselves, desolate, desolate place, and rest for a while. That, how many people are like, I would love that. Let's do the rest thing. I love the rest thing. That's what my sabbatical was all about. And I, by the way, loved it. And 
Now I need to preach once and take a sabbatical every, every other sermon for three months. That's, I mean, that's not life though, is it? That's not the way that it works. And so he says, let's go to a desolate place and, and let's, let's rest together. <laughs> and then you get to the desolate place and all of these people followed them to the desolate place. And the disciples are like, send them away to go to the surrounding villages and countryside so they can buy themselves something to eat. They, there's no food courts in the desolate places, right? There's no food courts. The disciples are like, this is a logistical nightmare. We're supposed to be here on sabbatical resting with you. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come and they didn't pack a lunch. So we need to send these people away. <laughs> Jesus is so awesome. Look at verse 37. Will you give them something to eat? With what? With what? You come to church, and at least twice a year, you hear about how you're supposed to be a disciple that makes disciples. You're supposed to begin in prayer. You're supposed to listen. You're supposed to eat. You're supposed to serve. You're supposed to share. And you're supposed to do that with everybody. And you're like, with what? <laughs> with, with what? Have you, have you heard the expression, you can't get blood from a turnip? Okay, some of you are like, I'm not even a turnip. At least a turnip is organic matter. I'm a stone. And if you squeeze me, you don't get blood. You get dust. That's all I got to offer. How many of you, when you hear about discipleship, and I just want to hear honesty, how many of you people think, I can't do that. I just want to receive the forgiveness and love of Jesus. And then I want to eke out an existence because I'm just barely hanging on here. And the idea that I'm supposed to be a disciple that goes and, and makes other disciples, it in, A, it intimidates me, and B, I don't have anything to give anyone. You feed them. With what? That, I sincerely believe I sincerely believe that has something to do with why I get so frustrated with myself. And, and then that spills out and it looks like anger. Well, it doesn't look like anger. It is anger. I'm going to write a book someday. I'm going to write a lot of books maybe. And one of the titles I think I was telling my wife, you know, a good title for a book would be is I'm not angry. I'm just passionate and other lies men believe. Fact. No, I am angry. I'm, I'm softening. God is softening. But th why? Because I think what's going on in, in between these cauliflower ears, or at least before my sabbatical was, just try harder. Stop being stupid and feed these people. With what? I'm guessing you're probably like, man, that's exactly how I feel. I hate messages about discipleship because I live with a constant low-level feeling of guilt and shame that I don't measure up and I certainly don't know how to teach other people how not to measure up like I don't. That's, we're not hearing it. 
I mean, we're hearing, but we're, we're reading stuff into it that's not in the text. I think, by the way, this is not a legitimate translation. This is the IDV, which is the internal dialogue version. So we hear the text as it is from the ESV or NIV or King James Version or whatever, but we reprocess it. We reprocess it and we interpret it the way that we understand it. And I think this is probably most people. This is how we hear this. Go therefore and try to become someone you're never actually going to become. And make other disciples who, like you, will never actually be the people that I want them to become. Oh, and tell them to obey everything that I command. And when they fail, just tell them again, only next time louder. And tell them to just try harder. Behold, I've told you what to do, now go do it. And for the love of me, at least try to stop failing all the time. That's not what it says. But how many of you, I just want, how many of you feel like that sometimes when you hear that what you're supposed to do as a disciple? Okay. I have good news. That's not, that's not the great commission. That's not the great commission. So let's, let's look at it clarified. This is a verse that the Lord reminded me of the next morning after that horrible worship experience in Springfield, Missouri on the 23rd of of January, because I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I confessed to the Lord. I said, Lord, this is just jacked up. I I wasn't, here's what I was doing. I was evaluating. I was criticizing myself. Why can't I be better? And blah, 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 blah. And I wasn't even worshiping. And I said, I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, boom, this verse just, the Holy Spirit just gave me this verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for, for I am gentle and I'm lowly. I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, first of all, I want to, as we clarify this, this invitation to be and make disciples, first of all, Principle number one, discipleship is rest, full stop. It's not meant to exhaust you. What did Jesus say to the disciples in Mark 6? Let's go to a desert place and rest. He didn't change his plans because thousands of people followed them. And when he told them to you feed them, he wasn't thinking, okay, rest time's over. He's still, it's still plan A. He, he wasn't deviating from his agenda. The first principle is discipleship is an invitation to rest. There is zero contradiction between go and make disciples and draw unto me and take my yoke and you'll find rest. Those are equivalent. He's just stating it differently. The invitation for you to be a disciple, for you to follow Christ for you to make disciples, the invitation for you to partner together with all these other people here in this room and the people that are going to come next service and the people that aren't even going to come because they're not here this week oh, and, and other, other people in the other churches that are true followers of Christ. This isn't just a local church thing. This is a body of Christ thing. The invitation to be a partnership in the gospel is an invitation to rest, to find rest for your soul. 
You, you really need to hear that. If you're not hearing that, you're not hearing it correctly. Secondly, discipleship is a command. It is an imperative. Take This is, it's counterintuitive. Look, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you stopped at verse 28, you're like, oh, yes, please. And then you get right to verse 29. Take my yoke. Stop. Wait, 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 wait. What is this yoke of which you speak? You know what a yoke is? In, in agricultural terms, a yoke is what you put on a beast of burden so they can pull a plow. How many of you are like, smells like work to me? It is. But it's not put a yoke on and then pull my plow. He says, take, who owns the yoke? It's his yoke. Whenever you see two yoke of oxen, right? There's, there's two o- you, he, Jesus is carrying the yoke. You just come up next to him and hook in. Who pulls the weight in that situation? Jesus is the one pulling the weight, but we walk with him. So yes, there, there, it, it, that's why it's counterintuitive. There is work. There is work. There is effort. There is pulling the plow. There is all of those things. But this yoke which implies a burden and effort. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. And you will what? What do you find when you, when you yoke up? You find rest. This is not an invitation to burn yourself out and wear yourself out. We have people here at Grace Community Church. Some of you are sitting right here. Some of you are on staff. Some of you are elders. Some of you, you, you serve in various capacities. Some of you are new to Grace Community Church, but you've come from churches and you're just flat out exhausted and you're burned out. And whenever, whenever you hear that there's a need for some, something in the church, you're just like, oh, please don't ask me to do anything. I'm here to heal. I'm here to rest up. And, and, and oftentimes what happens is people get involved in a local church and they just get fried. I, I can't see the frying in this passage. But does it happen? Sure it does. It's part of the reason why I needed a sabbatical, even though I didn't really know. I didn't know how messed up I was until I started reflecting. And then some lady says, I couldn't stand your preaching. I thought I was really good, but I guess not. <laughs> For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, discipleship is the process by, by which we learn how to rest. Man, I think if we understood it that way, it would be different. If you and I understood that everything that in, that's entailed in discipleship is an invitation to learn how to rest, I think people would be signing up for it as opposed to, oh, no that sermon again, right? That's what it is. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to enter into rest. See, here's what a disciple is. Defining a disciple. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who learns to live their lives in such a way that obedience to Jesus characterizes all that they do. A disciple is not someone who does Jesus' stuff. 
A disciple is someone who's following or an apprentice of Jesus, learning to live their lives in such a way that, that Jesus characterizes or every, he, he characterizes all the obedience characterizes all we do. Here's the deal. I do this. We do this. The church does this. We confuse telling people to obey what Jesus commanded with actually teaching them how to become the kind of people who by nature do what Jesus commands. Those are two different things. That's part of the problem, and that's on me as a leader, and that's on those who teach people what it means to follow Jesus. We're experts at telling you what the Bible says. I have no problems telling you what Jesus commanded and then telling you to do it. That's not what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He didn't say, tell them that I to- what I told everyone to do and then go do it. He says, no, teach them to observe everything that I command. You know what that means? It means train them how to become the kind of people who as a matter of their, their natural disposition in me cannot help but do what I said. It'd be like if we had a seminar next week on how to become the kind of person who loves people that spit on them. How many of you are like, signing up for that course? That's what Jesus taught his disciples how to do. How to become the kind of people who did turn the other cheek. How to come to become the kind of people who, who were able to love their enemies. He didn't just tell them, love your enemies. He taught them, This is how you order your life around me so that my Holy Spirit working within you will make you the kind of person who actually can love their enemies and more than that, wants to. That's typically not what you hear when you hear about being and making disciples. You simply hear, okay, I need to be forgiven of my sins. Check. I need to know and love Jesus. Check. Now I need to tell other people to know and love Jesus. Check. And now tell them what to do. Check. Checkmate. You're toast. You're, you're not moving. You're already exhausted. Feed them with what? You don't, they don't know how to become the kind of people who know how to love their enemies. All right. Got to wrap this up. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them not what the commands say, but how to become that kind of person. Behold, I'm with you at the end of the age. Hone in on the the italicized bold part, baptizing them. The word baptize means immerse into. I I read a whole bunch of Dallas Willard while I was on sabbatical, I'd read some of his stuff 20-some years ago, and then and he was referenced in a book on rest I was reading, and thought, huh, I should probably reread his stuff. So I reread his stuff and bought some other stuff that I didn't own by him. He passed away, I think, five or six years ago. And he has an alternate translation of this. So what does baptize mean? Immerse into. Immerse into, all right? So here's what Dallas Willard says. It's a paraphrase. He says, people, when you read baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it means more than getting them wet and then saying the names of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It means immersing them into the presence of the triune God. 
wait a minute. That's different. When a person is immersed into the community of the Trinity, that Holy Spirit enables and empowers them and gives them the desire to love their enemies. Does it mean get them wet and say Jesus' name? Yes, but what does that stand for? It stands for entering into the community of the Trinity. Now, some of you that are theologically astute are like, that doesn't sound right. Dallas Willard is not saying you become the fourth member of the Trinity because once that happens, it's no longer a Trinity. You, he's not saying you, uh, you enter into the Godhood. He's saying this is what John 14, 15, and 16 means when Jesus said that I'm going to go away from you and, and I'm going to send you the Comforter. Uh, he's with you now, but he's going to be in you. He's going to be in you, and that's better. He's talking about what it means to abide. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. He's talking about being connected, immersed into the community of the Godhead so that the power of God is in you and flowing within you and flowing outside of you. That is the yoke and that doesn't make you tired. By the way, you will get tired as you serve, but it'll be a good tire. It's not a burned out mental, I'm exhausted and I want to strangle the people that I minister to and I want to beat the sheep or I want to run away from them or I, I, I just, no, this is, you feed them with the divine resources that I've given you and, and you're going to draw near to me and you're going to experience my rest. Does that sound a little bit different from maybe what we've, we're typically hearing that passage as? Again, it, it doesn't mean you become part of... We're not Mormons. We're not going to become gods. And neither are they. But we are followers of Christ who enter into fellowship with God. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what God wants you to experience, what wants me to experience, is his presence and his power in living out his purpose. And when we do that, it will feel like rest. And it'll soften us. It'll make us gentler people. It'll make us more loving people because he will be doing the work through us. It's not us doing the work with his stamp of approval. Okay, I got to move. This training, that's next week's sermon. Training together to become the kind of people who actually obey it means devotion to the word. It means devotion to prayer. It means caring, being caring community. It means serving others. It means missional living. It means being devoted to corporate worship. All those things make you tired. That's because you're viewing them as an end and not a means to an end. They're the means to an end. The end is fellowship with God and rest. And you got to learn how to train, right? Teaching them, training them to observe. And the Holy Spirit does the work. He's the one who begins the work, starts the work, will finish the work. Our, our job is to take the yoke. Next week, it's about, well, what does that look like? Let's go into that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So that's next week. 
This morning we're going to end with communion, the good old-fashioned kind, not those nasty styrofoam wafers that have been pressed by into a little disc, but the old-fashioned kind. So the ushers are going to come forward and distribute those here at Grace Community Church. Um, communion is something for believers, but here's the deal. Everyone that's here is invited to enter into that rest. Jesus said, if any of you are weary and, and you're downtrodden, come to me and enter my rest. That's an invitation. Communion is, is something that Christians do to remember what Christ has done for them so they can rest. So if you're not a follower of Christ, we invite you to receive your first communion as a believer. As a believer. Take me upon yourself. Jesus said, for I, or rather Paul, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The reason Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper is to remind, give them a visible symbol of, of what he was going to do for them. His body was going to be broken. His blood was going to be spilled. He was going to fulfill, he fulfilled the law and the righteous requirements of the law and he paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. And when we enter into, into fellowship with him, everything that he accomplished is ours. His sinless perfection is your sinless perfection. His payment for our sins has been paid. You don't pay for your sins. And we enter into communion with him. And this is communion. This is a visible representation of what happens at a spiritual reality. We enter into fellowship with him. And this reminds us of his goodness and of his sacrifice. And it reminds us that we don't strive to perform, to earn anything with him but we come alongside him to experience his peace, his presence, and his power, and his rest, and his rest. So as these elements are being passed around, I just want you to hold on to them. We'll come and we'll take the elements together. And I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, am I intimidated by this whole following you? Does that wear me out? Am I burned out? Am I weary? Am I tired? Am I... And let the Holy Spirit tell you the truth about yourself. And you'll probably find out that you were a lot like I was when I entered into this sabbatical. Just tired. And ask him to refresh your heart. And we'll come and take communion together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he lifted up the bread and he broke it. And he says, take this and eat for this is my body. Which given for you and they took and they ate and then he passed around the cup and he lifted up the cup he says take this and drink this is the new covenant the cup of the new covenant which represents my blood which is spilled for the forgiveness of sins and so they took and they ate and they drank so father we come to you this morning and we we take this bread and we take this juice and receive it with glad and thankful hearts 
Lord, this bread represents your sinless perfection. And Lord, when you invite us to enter into rest, we take that perfection on ourselves. That doesn't mean that we have become perfect because of what we've done, but we've entered into communion with you and you're perfect because of what you've done. So Lord, we receive that with thankful hearts. And this juice, Lord, it represents the blood that you've shed. And when we enter into communion with you, your sinless perfection becomes ours and our sin becomes yours. And that's what you took care of on the cross. And so we say thank you. Lord, so we eat and drink with glad and sincere and thankful hearts. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer just here in a few seconds. But we started something new last week that that we're going to continue. It's absolute foolishness to believe that everybody that comes here, first of all, is a follower of Christ. And it's equally foolish to believe that everybody here is okay with everything that's going on in their lives. Some of you can't take that yoke upon yourself because you're not a follower of Christ. You can become one today. Some of you, I, you think, I can't take another step as I follow Christ because I just don't have the strength. I got this going on. My marriage is falling apart. I just got a diagnosis. Any number of things which feel like a crushing burden to you. And what you need most is not another sermon. What you need most is someone to just put their hand on your shoulder and pray for you. So this is a regular feature at Grace starting last week, and it'll continue. That as I pray and everyone's dismissed, if, if you're, you're, you're burdened and you just like someone to pray for you, just come forward as everyone else is dismissed and I'll be up here and there'll be a few others here that can just pray for you. So, Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you again for your mercy. Thank you that you have taken our sins and separated them as far as the east is from the west. Father, I pray that you would empower us, that you would remind us that discipleship is not supposed to wear us out. It's supposed to set us free. That following you is not supposed to be exhausting, but it's supposed to be the means by which we enter into rest. Lord, I know that we don't understand that because we don't, we don't live as if we do. So Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would renew and transform our minds. That we would do exactly what Jesus said. We would draw near, we'd take that yoke, and we'd learn from you. Lord, help us to learn, to learn so that we can become the kind of people who by nature actually want to love our enemies. Our neighbors, our spouses, our kids, our roommates, the people we work with as well. Father, that's a work that you're going to have to do because we can't do anything apart from, from you. So we say thank you in advance for what you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, go in grace. If you would like to be prayed for, We'll see you up front.